Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to Viewpoint Alabama, a public affairs program from the Alabama Radio Network about the people, places, and events that impact our state. Welcome to Viewpoint Alabama. I'm JT, your host today, and joining us in the studio with us is Dixie, who has uh, been through a horrific time of her life. She was involved in human trafficking and uh, went through a lot uh, of abuse and, and negative experiences. Dixie, welcome. Good to see you. Nice to be here. And Barbara Fowler with Fowler Davis Entertainment, who has put together a film on human trafficking to make people more aware of what's happening uh, Barbara, good to see you. Thanks, JT. Great to be here. Why don't we start, first of all, kind of a state of the union, if you will, on human trafficking and what a big problem this is for this country at our borders and also inside our country on the interstate systems in all cities around this country on what a monster pro- problem this is. You're right, JT. It is a monster problem, and it doesn't only happen at the borders. It is happening in our communities, in our churches, in our schools. Everywhere that we live, we think, oh, it's not going to happen here. It's not going to happen in Vestavia or Trustful or Hoover or the city of Birmingham. It does. It's happening on every one of our streets 24-7. Yeah, and uh, once again, this is not only you know in, in the area where we're sitting now, but across not only the state of Alabama, but the it's entire all over the, the state. world. Yes. I mean, this is all over the state and the country yes. and beyond. Yes. Um, we've been talking about this before a number of different times about the, the problem at our border. Uh, and drugs are certainly a problem. And the president wants, you know, some border security there. But human trafficking is becoming uh, almost uh, as big a problem, if not greater, uh, at our borders because drugs are used one time. Human beings can be used over and over and over again. Over and over. That's correct. Um, Human trafficking is now the fastest growing crime, and it is the second largest crime um, in America. And it now reaps $150 billion. And so that's astounding. It's unbelievable. It is. It's astounding facts. The average age of human trafficking right now is 11 to 14 years old. The average lifespan of a person who is trafficked is seven years. So if you think about a child that the average age is maybe 12, by the time they're 19, they are probably not no longer going to be alive. Oh, my gosh. That's and, the average lifespan. And, and, and why is it? They're killed by their pimps or they just don't survive on the streets or they overdose on drugs or all of the above? All of the above. They commit suicide. Oh. Uh, they are given drugs by their pimps. They are thrown out on the side mm-hmm. of the roads. Um, the lifestyle that they lead, it takes a toll on their young bodies. Oh my and so the ones who do survive, like Dixie, mm-hmm. it is miraculous that they do. And that's the work that we want to do and spread that awareness so that we have more Dixies in the world that are able to be rescued and survive and thrive. Well, Dixie, I want to talk to you about your story. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you being here. Thank you. Um, you're in your mid-30s now. Yes. I would imagine this started much younger, earlier in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, I was 17 when it when trafficking started. How did it happen to you? Well, um, I was just a very vulnerable person. I had been through some child abuse whenever I was younger um, by, some, you know, by a family member. And then 
I was sexual abuse, physical sex, abuse, emotional sexual abuse. Okay, and then um, you know I. Do you grew, remember how young you were when that started? I was about three or four when three. it happened. Oh my god! Um, and I had a couple of other traumatic experiences that occurred along the way until I turned about 16, 17 years old, and so it was just a setup for um, keeping me vulnerable and you know to that to that type of person and to that type of situation. I am so sorry to hear about that. And I hope the person that was involved in that with you is uh, uh, under the jail somewhere and and gone forever. Uh, Well, for me, it's more forgiveness at this point. It's just, you know, what was my perception of what happened and what was someone else's perception of what happened may not come to a place of um, justice, mm -hmm. but it's at this point, it's just forgiveness Look, I'm with you on that. I yeah. get it. I'm a huge believer, and Christ died on the cross for us and forgave us all, so he asked us to do that. Yes. But I also believe that there's earthly consequences. Absolutely, there and is. That's what I meant by that. Yes. I hope he has gone away forever. Well. All right, so when you were 17 um, and you were sucked into this, pulled into this, forced mm-hmm. into this, what actually happened to you? Well, I was at a college and I was dual enrolled and I had been there for probably not even a few weeks. And a girl that was staying in the dorms with me at the time was what we would consider a plant. And she invited me to go with her one night to go meet a friend. And that friend was a pimp and was a ringleader of a a human trafficking ring and a part of a gang as well. Mm. And so I went and met this man and he conditioned me that night and groomed me that night to um, to be his girlfriend, boyfriend type situation. And he drove a really nice car. He was dressed very educated. I wouldn't, you wouldn't see him on the street and think, oh, well, that's definitely a pimp. I mean, he was, you know, like regular guy, regular old guy, you know? And so and you say old, he was older than he you. was older than me, but he was probably in his twenties, I would say, but not that much in, older. Right? No, but being in college, you know, you, right. you're around those older, that older type of guy, but I was 17. And so I was, was much yeah. younger. <laughs> was this in Alabama? This was, um, in the state of Mississippi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about what school it was or it was a community college. Okay. It was just a, it was just so a you, you meet this guy. He's real nice to you. He right. dresses well. He's got a nice car and yes. he's painting a picture to you. Yeah, he did. He painted this boyfriend, girlfriend picture to me. And I saw so right, right out of the gate, right out of the gate. He was just like, I like you. I really think that you're nice. I told her to leave because I wanted to have this conversation with you. Like I chose you over her kind of thing. And so it made me feel like I was so special to Wait him. Wait a minute. This was the first time you met? Yes. And he's like, hey. But remember, I was already set up for this. So I'd already been conditioned through circumstances of, for, of unfortunate events prior to this happening. So I was already in a vulnerable place. And so I just wanted love and I right. needed someone uh, to just yeah. pay attention to me. And that was who he was. This is one of the uh, the biggest things that they prey on. Vulnerable Absolutely. women, right? Yes. And girls mm-hmm. that have been through traumatic experiences that... It could be traumatic or just personalities. Like you can have a, a free-spirited child who just is so open to different personalities themselves right. and you have to learn. Sure, I'll try anything. Sure. Yeah, I mean like everyone's good. Everything's great. There's no monsters in the world. We just learned that as a kid and then we, mm. we outgrow it. Wow. We're talking with Dixie who is a, a victim of human trafficking for years in her life and has now escaped that. Uh, and Barbara Fowler as well with Fowler. Uh, Davis uh, Entertainment, who uh, has put together a, a movie about this, and we'll talk more about that. Uh, Dixie, I want to continue with you. And Did any red flags go up uh, when you were with this guy at the beginning? No, not at the beginning. He just he treated me pretty good. He took me to some places with him. Um, 
for just a very short amount of time, though. And then he introduced me to a friend. And then that friend turned into a couple more friends. And then it turned into this do what I say, as I say. And then it became he backed out of the picture pretty quickly, actually. Uh, um, and So he was a recruit for the bigger fish. Yes. He was the, He was just bringing everyone in. For the for this particular gang, um, so and he was the the anonymous letters that had came in later on once everything was kind of uncovering was told mm-hmm. he, we we found out that he was the ringleader for this particular. Chapter. All right. Um, initially, uh, was there a relationship, an intimate relationship with this guy with you? Yes. And then it led to mm-hmm. other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, this is my buddy. Yeah, you know, yeah, and he was like, he's going to watch you while I'm not around and he's going to make sure that you're okay. If you need anything, let him know and he'll let me know. And, and so it kind of like turned into, um, passing you around. Yeah. Well, well then he put him in charge of me and then I didn't see him much of him anymore. And then it was like another friend got involved. And so it was like, there was these two other guys who all knew this guy, but they were supposed to be watching me, but yet they were starting to, you know, sell me to and Man- it, manipulate you. manipulate me. And, and I, and I was being um, passed around on the college campus with the college football team and between coaches. And there was some security cops involved as well. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm shocked. I, I'm just shocked that this was going on on the campus. Right. With people that are employed by the school mm-hmm. and they're a part of an athletic program. Right. But I guess this is not uncommon. This can be happening in any business in America. You could be passed around by yes. people through, you know, CEOs, presidents of companies. That's uh, right, JT. One of the things that we need to change is, is our perception. We always think they're going to be the thug on the street or that drug dealer. Right. They're not. They're well, not. doctors, they're lawyers, they're coaches, or they're some teachers. Ca- cat house in Las Vegas somewhere. Right. No, it's really just, you know, your next door neighbor or the guy at the grocery store who's been really nice to you this whole time. It can be those people. It's They have a, an intention. They have a motive. They have an agenda. And you never know really and truly who they are. There's no stigma on which one it looks like. It's right. just, at what point did you lose contact with the girl that brought you into this? I mean, I almost think the same night that it happened honestly. so she was not your roommate no we actually were living in the same dorm together but was she still on campus yeah, when, i mean we've the... seen each other so you'd still see each other but she wasn't around when i was so engulfed by these other guys that i really didn't see a whole lot of my dorm anymore to be honest did you stay you. in class no i wasn't and that was a part of the reason why it got quickly uncovered i mean i was 17 so there was some responsibility there but then on top of that i think that by not showing up to class so for so long um, they um, told my one of my family members, and so kind of the way that the story unfolded was there was a there was an investigation going on with the with the men that were in the ring, and I was supposed to be going with them to Greenville, Mississippi. And mm-hmm. when my family member caught wind of what was going on, she pulled me aside, pulled me back into a room, and told me what was what was happening. And I was confronted with other people and cops, and they just let me know that. Um, you know, that this was real. This is what was going on and that they were under investigation and that there was. Okay. So I'm, I'm just really having a tough time following how you did not see red flags. And I don't mean to be offensive by this, but, or, or mean spirited, but it, at some point I would think it maybe a week or two into this, you're going, Hey, wait a minute. Okay. I, I'm losing control of the situation here. You're controlling me. 
get lost, dude. I'm done with you. But this went on for how long with you? Well, you have to understand that when you're already, when you grew up in a different place than, yeah. than like where, you know, I grew up in a really good home. My family was great. They're really, they're really great people. I love them to death. Um, they're just, I lived in another world within the home because they didn't know what was going on. Your parents? My parents. You still have a relationship Absolutely. with them? Absolutely. And yes. they didn't know the other family member Mm-mm. was doing this to no. you. No. And because, you know, it happened at such a young age, I was okay with these dark secrets. You you grow up in a culture where you think that certain things are okay. So you didn't so know. You didn't to, know the difference. That it was, were you threatened at a young age by this family member? No. Uh, Don't say anything to your parents. I wouldn't say threatened. I would just say manipulated by gifts and things like that. And JT, when you're that young and you're conditioned from such a young age, mm-hmm. you think that's normal. A child thinks that's normal life because they don't know any different. Right. And that's what the perpetrator wants. Yeah. They want them to think this is part of normal life. And that's why young children. And that's children, what conditions them. Right. Yeah. And that's why young children are so easily, because, you know, you talk about culture this, culture that, but when a child grows up in a culture, they have to be shown that maybe it's not okay to mm. think that drug dealing is okay. It's right. not okay to think that, you know, certain things are not okay. But You know, I'm a father and I've got two young granddaughters. I've got a three-year-old granddaughter and a six-month-old granddaughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like to think that, you know, I would be aware of anything that was going on with my daughter and maybe not my grandchildren because I don't see them every day in my home. Right. But, um your parents never saw any signs of anything happening. You were never asked by them, hey, what's the deal with Uncle Ricky Bobby or whatever? Well, it just so happens that, you know, I think that at that time, because remember, I was born in 1985. Mm-hmm. I told you how old I am. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it was an era where a lot of things were still not talked about or discussed. So they um, they just maybe there was signs Maybe they knew. Maybe they had. Right. They maybe they had been through stuff before that they hadn't worked through, okay. and so they didn't have the opportunity to to show to, me to, to teach to me. break in and yeah. change it. All right, now quickly, I want to get to. You got sucked in at seventeen on campus. How many years were you involved in human trafficking? Um, from seventeen, I was probably involved for like a month or two, mm-hmm. and then um, I was trafficked again when I was about twenty four, twenty five years old, and that happened for about a year to two years. How did that happen again after you went through it once? So the first time it happened, um, I wasn't able to get any of the help that I needed. There was no education, no awareness about what was going on. Um, so I was just told to keep quiet, don't talk about it. Let's just forget that it ever happened. And so you know, people aren't going to like what you people aren't going to like your story. So let's not talk about your story. Let's just forget it happened. Mm-hmm. So then later on, um, a series of unfortunate events took and took place in my life. Things I could not control, and then a lot of things that I could control. A lot of bad decisions, um, un you know <laughs> un um, resolved issues took place, and it led me to a partying life in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. And then in Atlanta, Georgia, I was with a couple of friends one night and got separated and got taken to a. What we would call a where we would call a warehouse, but it was like a right. secret society in Atlanta. And Something um, like you would. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Seeing the movie Taken. Right. Kind of, I guess, in a way, but this was, you know, nicer. More, more, well, no. No? No, not nicer. It was just, it was just no. It was just at a warehouse right next to Turner Field, um, okay. over there at the in Atlanta, and so um, it was a lock-in. It was a lock-in. They locked the doors so nobody could get out. And once they got us in, we were getting higher and higher, and then we were being auctioned off on the stage. And I just remember being so uncontrolled, like out of control of my own body, out of control of myself, right. so paranoid, so scared. And I just kind of you learn to just go through the motions, and you kind of fade in and fade out through those memories, um, or in that moment, you just fade in and fade out. So when you were there and. You were in for how long the second go around? How did you get out of the first one, first the of all? First, well, my family member intervened. And, and then the cops were there, yeah, and that they, was it, the end of that. The end of that. So later you go to Atlanta, you get into another situation, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, holy cow, did you realize it, no. it, at what point Well, I, did you think, oh my gosh, here we go again? Well, I knew that I had... Um, put myself in a bad situation once I was in that situation. I knew it was, I knew it was, I knew it wasn't okay, but I didn't mm-hmm. know how to, I was, I was high. So I, all the time they kept well, high. D- that night specifically, they right. kept me very high. So, um, and then they dropped me off at a hotel and the, from there, um, back when back page was still available and I had, you could access back page, um, which what was the web page. Back page was a website that you could go on and, um, it was like, you could go on and, and post a girl or a man or whatever. Right. And any John could go on there and scroll down and it's. Oh, I'll take her. Yeah. And they contact and we you. Do and go, picture- ads and buying sex. Ads buying sex. And you just, it's like, it's like Craigslist, but right. for humans. For human trafficking. And they, they covered yeah. it up with like, you can sell other things on there, but they had a whole escorting section on there as well. Mm. And um, it's now been shut down. The FBI yeah, shut it down. It. Well, and there's and there's more situations than not where there's women that are being the the women that are being rescued out of the situations and then they're not being charged as prostitutes. Either. Okay, hang on. I'm, so that website has since been shut down by the police, right? Yes. But there's yeah. a lot more of these, aren't there, Barbara? Yes. Um, sites are popping up all the time. Uh, police jurisdictions, the FBI, Homeland Security, they can't even keep up with all of them. Right. Um, it, there are hundreds of thousands of ads for sex are being put out every single day. You know, it's all about the money. That, that's what yeah. this is. If there wasn't a lot of profit involved in this, this wouldn't be going on just for, you know, fun, you know, right. just for sex. This is about money. And these Correct. women and men are uh, dragged into this, are abused and used and thrown out to the trash because they're a commodity to these creeps. Yes. That are just making money off of you guys. Right. Um, all right, back up quickly. I mean, sure. there's so much I want to talk to you I about in, in such little time. But when you were 17 at that college, and then your parents became aware of it and right. they intervened, uh, and the police got involved, uh, did they arrest some people involved? Were these, uh, you know, you mentioned the football team earlier, the mm-hmm. coaches, uh, people on campus? Were any of those folks arrested? Well, did they find your pimp? Honestly, what I what I know of today was that I did a couple of um, testimonials over the phone once I once um, the situation was once the situation was over. I did a couple of testimonials over the phone, and um, 
I don't really know if they got arrested. I don't know what happened. But I do know that they charged me as a prostitute at the age of 17 years old. And my mom wrote a letter. I found this letter not too long ago, and it touched my heart. Um, But she wrote a letter to the dean, and she said all of the things. Like, I can't believe, you know, that you let this go on in your college campus. You know, all of these people were involved, and yet still nobody is doing anything about it. At that time, human trafficking did not have a name. And everything that she wrote in that letter was like, human trafficking is happening in your college. Why are you not doing anything about it? And so that's just the lack of education. Being charged as yeah. a 17 year old, being charged at 17 as a minor at that time was uncalled for. Well, that's changed. The laws and have has changed. changed. And Ms. Barber um, was just saying the yeah. name of it. Was- the Safe Harbor Act that has been passed. Um, any minor that's under the age of 19 cannot be charged. Because odds are they've been pulled into this against their will. Or fraud against their will. Yes, more, they're minors. Yeah. More, more people are coerced and pulled into this than are voluntarily saying, oh, I just like making good money like this. Oh, I, absolutely. I love being a prostitute. Because the girls are not getting the money. It's the pimps and the traffickers right, that are taking right. all the money. With this situation at 17, the parents intervened. You get out of it. You move on. Do you leave the campus? Yes. So okay. I left um, the campus. And so you go back home. Went back home. You, you go through a couple of years of a normal life, I guess. And then next thing you know, you're back into a partying situation and you end up at this warehouse near Turner Field. Yes. yes and you, yes. And you're, you know, you're drugged and you're high and they're auctioning girls off. Right. And uh, so the next day you you wake up. Uh, well, they, I'm, I got dropped off at a hotel that night. I remember at, the, at, the, at a certain point I recognized what was going on and I remained sober. Like I was trying to tell myself, get sober, get sober, get sober. Right. And so um, I get dropped off at the hotel. I um, didn't have any ID, didn't have any nothing. I had nothing on me except the clothes that I had on my body so you're kind of lost and scared absolutely you and realize- i'm in atlanta so i mean i'm i'm not it's a, it's a big city there's a lot of places and i don't know anything about this area so i just get dropped off i don't where know where were I'm your at. parents um at this time they were we weren't speaking to each other okay. um i know one of the questions a lot of people ask why didn't you call them why didn't you get a hold of somebody somebody but like i said a lot of things had took place before that happened um i had a lot of i made some choices and some things that had happened out of my control had happened as well. So it just was like a continuance of a series of unfortunate okay. events. Does so you were in sense? a bad place. We were in a bad place. Okay. Yes. So you had friends, though, Could you could have called. or What did you do? I had no support. None. At this point, that, I was uh, supportless. I had right. no family, no friends, nobody I could just turn to because I had not had any. I, no. And you weren't aware that calling the police and they could put you in a shelter or help. They're, well, they're, calling the police just wasn't something you do when you're on the streets. Yeah. It's not an option because, again, they're conditioned right. and they're taught you don't talk to the police. Police are going to kill you. They're going to throw you in jail. Um, if you do go to police, I'm going to kill you. I know where your family Were lives. Were you threatened? I'll kill your family. Yeah, I mean, that's just something. It's an unwritten and unspoken rule. You don't call and talk to the police ever. You're going to be – it's just a uh, – <sighs> So you know what? what, what, what do, so so you got sober that night or yeah. that, the next so I got day sober. too. The girls at the so the the hotel people were running the the girls were running the the front desk and they were um, doing back page and so some of the girls would go to they would take a call and then the other girls would watch the front desk and so I was supposed to work with them and they were showing me how to use back. They're running this like a business. The, yep the whole the whole hotel. The hotel. Yeah. The hotel. And so I was, you know, walking across the parking lot and um, a guy pulled into the parking lot and he 
offered me an opportunity. He finessed and started talking to me and was telling me, you know, I know what you're doing. He's like, I can make you, I can do something better with you. If you, if this is what you want to do, I can, you know, I can teach you how to do it better and we can be a family. We can, you know, we I can, can make grow. it wonderful for we you. We can be a business. Well, and I was hungry. I hadn't had anything to right. eat. I was coming off of drugs. I had not had a proper shower. I was just being, I was just in need. So at this point I was so I didn't care about my life, so I jumped in the car with the mentality thinking, it's gonna well, be better I'm already, than what I'm in. I'm already going to die if I don't get, you know, if I don't jump in the car. Either either he's going to kill me or I'm or he's going to he's going to show me a better way and it's going to be better than where I'm at. So it didn't matter. So you left with him. I did. And, I did. And, and, and once again, and out so, of the frying pan into the fire. Right. And so it it was a good couple of first months. It was actually okay. I mean, he got me off of drugs. He fed me. He, he groomed me. He played boyfriend and, you know, took me shopping. and got my nails done and did the, the things, got me a computer. And then once the computer came, he was like, this is how we, you know, you, what you were doing on Backpage is how we're going to do it here. And then he taught me how to like protect myself and how to were you like okay well this is my life i guess now and i'm just yeah i was okay with it because he was the only person that had ever shown me any support took care of you i mean i was just so supportless and he was how long did it go on that went on for about nine months before he sold me to another man the other man after that was a pimp that had about 20 to 25 girls um he was a high-end lifestyle five houses just just repeating this process just so you, on a so, higher scale. So you're working your way up into the system, well, so to he speak. he sold me into the higher up system. Then I, once you got up into that mm-hmm. system, how long were you in that? Um, for about three months. And then? And then I needed, I wanted, I missed my kids. So I wanted to go back home. You and had kids? I have kids. Yeah. Okay. So you'd gotten pregnant and delivered babies through well, this process. Well, not all of this, not through them, but Prior to getting into the second realm of trafficking, I had been married for, I was married and I had children. And so. Um, okay. So you, you were married, had kids. Right. Got divorced. Yes. And then went back into the system, human trafficking system after that. Mm-hmm. And then you got higher up in the system and then. Mm-hmm. At some point, you got out. Right. Well, and let me just remind you, my job, i was what I was trained and groomed for was to be a bottom and to um, protect him. And I was trained to keep the girls out of – so I screened the phone calls and right. I screened everything to make sure that the cops were not getting – that they weren't going right. to get arrested. You kept an eye on things. I kept an you, eye on You, things. at this point, knew the system mm-hmm. and you're going to help I us pr- the system, protect the system. Cat and mouse. Okay. So at some point, uh, you got to a, a place in your life where you said, uh, I got to get out. Yeah, right? I did. My son, I heard my son's voice for the first time in, in probably about a year or so. And I remember thinking, you know, this is not where I need to be. I need to be home. And so I tried to go home. I asked the guy that I the trafficker, I said, you know, I would like to go home and be with my kids. And he tried to talk me out of it. And then he was like, well, I'll get you to Dallas and, you know, we'll talk about things. And I was like, no, I just want to go to Atlanta. Well, he told me he bought me a ticket all the way to Atlanta. So I get to Dallas. and um, By yourself or you got somebody with you? No, it was just me by myself. Okay. I get to Dallas and I had this time I had got made the effort to call my family and I told them what was going on and they were willing to help me, you know, with the, whatever they needed to help me with and um, they were supportive at this point. Okay. And so when I get to Dallas, I find out that the ticket didn't go any farther than Dallas. And so I see that not only that, but I, I know that the trafficker is coming to the, to the bus station. So I quickly call my parents and I let them know what was going on. They bought me a bus ticket. 
that was supposed to leave later on that mm-hmm. night, and I was going to go. But they're back in Atlanta. No, they're back. In, they're in Florida. They're Either way, they're okay. they're somewhere else. And so they bought me the bus ticket, and um, the trafficker. Where pulls were your up. kids? They're with their dad. Where was that? In Atlanta. Okay, so you're trying to get to the kids in Atlanta. I'm trying to get to my kids. Your in parents Atlanta. in Florida buy you the ticket, right? So you're waiting to get the bus and get going, and here comes some guy that's going to be taking you out of this and go. Nope, you're back with me. Right. Well, and I saw him coming, and so I had some friends on the bus that I traveled with, and they were willing to switch tickets with me. So one guy was willing to stay later and go on a later bus to Atlanta, and I got on okay. the bus with with the other people. Was this where you broke out of it? Yes. This was it. This was it. All right, let's talk about God's intervention. I mean, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left here. So, no, you're fine. No, (laughs) I I want to know. This is a good ending here. Yes. All right. Do you do you have your kids now? I do. um, Do you talk to their father? Yes. Do you have a good relationship with him? Yes. Was he aware that you had been through trafficking and were back in it? Um. Is he aware of this now? He is aware that it was going on then. Yes, and he's he's he was aware that it was going on. Yes, and then he's aware of. Of what it's called now. He's aware of everything that happened yes. in your life. Yes, yes. Okay. Forgiving man. I can't. I guess he can't blame you. Or did he for a while? Did, was that tough? Yeah. He did definitely blame me. Okay. Well, I mean, that's, you know, that's part of it. And that's part of the ugly yeah, scene in all of this, is. too, you know? It is. Um, I think for me, more than anything, it was just the, the forgiveness from my from my family, but more so for my, for my children. <sighs> um, the fact that I went missing during a very crucial time in their lives was probably um, the hardest part oh, of it I'm all. Sorry. But, you know, kids are such a, they're resilient, and they have just been such a good... Kids are more resilient than we give them credit for. <laughs> right. They really are. But they I really think are. an important part of her journey, too, is when she finally was able to get out of that, right. she was able to get to the well house. Yes, the well Birmingham. house in, in, in Birmingham. Well, it all, I mean, I had a couple of places I went to, but it all ended at the well house in Alabama and here in Alabama, and it gave me a, a place of, you know, refuge for one, and it just gave me a safety net to where I could just de- degrade, you know, detached from the world and right. and then like all of these just people just came swarming in around me and just overwhelmed me with love and and the light and with God, God and with passion so awesome yes and so from there on it has just been a been a journey of unlayering the onions and God has just been working through me um, through the people around me the people who supported Miss Barbara is one of them ladies that just comes in and just overwhelms my heart how long has it been since you left to now? Um, five years. Five years. Yes. Praise God. Yeah, and so much good stuff has come out of this. I mean, even just sitting yes. here in this opportunity to talk about it and educate others is a great thing. All right, very good. Thank you, ladies. Thank you, JT. Thank you. You've been listening to Viewpoint Alabama, a public affairs program from the Alabama Radio Network. The opinions expressed on Viewpoint Alabama are not necessarily those of the staff, management, or advertisers of this station. If you have any comments or questions about the program, please send an email to viewpointalabama at arnnet.com. You can also send a letter to the Alabama Radio Network, 600 Beacon Parkway West, Suite 400, Birmingham, Alabama, 35209. Thanks for listening, and please tune in next week for another Viewpoint Alabama from the Alabama Radio Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.